All right, well, good morning. Glad you're at the chapel with us this morning. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving and now you're all into Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, we try to in our household not to jump into the Christmas thing before we get through Thanksgiving, but then when Thanksgiving's over, then Friday and Saturday, it's like up with the tree and everything. And, and Jackie said yesterday, you know, it's never as fun as what they make it look like in the movies. Have you noticed that? Or maybe you have the movie star household, but it's, it just seems like work, and plus it's 80 degrees, and so it doesn't seem like Christmas, but it really is now 28 days away. And sometimes Christmas reminds me of when I visited the guy at Wofford, he's a college student up there, and freshman, so I hadn't been there long, I said, hey, how's it going? How do you like college? He said, man, I love college if it just wasn't for the classes. Kind of missed the point, but that's kind of what we do with Christmas, right? We, we have all the extra stuff, and I'm not down on the extras. I like the cookies. I like the, the big meals and the gatherings and the lights. I don't like putting them up, but I, I like all that extra stuff. But sometimes with all the extras, it's kind of like I love college. I just don't like the classes. I like Christmas. I just lose sight of the person of Christmas. And so, obviously, we don't want to do that this year or really any year. We want to have our attention on Christ. Do you ever ask yourself, where did all the extras come from? Did somebody go, we need to get people to forget about Jesus and let's put in all the extras? Is that where they came from? I don't really think so. I don't think it's malicious. When do we add extras to stuff? This is not that hard of a question. You're like, I don't know. We add extras to stuff when something is special. It's like, oh, it's somebody's birthday. We're not just have a, a normal meal. We're going to have like a meal with cake and we'll put candles on top and we're going to have balloons. We're going to do it's extras are to because something's special. Is Christmas special? Yeah, I'm wondering about right now. Yeah, Christmas is special, so we add the extras. We're all good with extras. Don't be concerned. This is not a series on being, you know, let's get rid of and skip Christmas. No, we want to reclaim Christmas and the joy of it in the reality of anticipating the Savior who was born at Christmas. So Christmas is about a person, the person of Jesus, who is our hope and who is our joy, who is our life and who is our truth. Don't think of these separate from Jesus. Jesus doesn't just bring these. Guess what? He he is them. And so we want to provide a resource for you. And I could kick myself. I can't believe this. I didn't tell last hour about this resource. So if you have friends who went to second hour, tell them or maybe pick one up for them out the exit doors when you go out. It's a daily devotional starting tomorrow morning, which will take you through Christmas morning. Very simple, very short. I wrote it, and usually once I get a paragraph done, I'm out of all the thoughts I could possibly have. So it's not very long. It's some scripture and 
uh, a thought that hopefully will keep you focused on Jesus as our hope, joy, life, and truth, all right? So that's available when you leave each of the auditoriums this morning and out at the Connect Gazebo. Also out there, as was referenced in the video, there is a family activity bag that will help you if you have young kids to do a, a daily activity instead of just reading words that will keep Christ at the center of your conversation. So all the extras, not malicious, bad, they just can distract us from the person of Jesus. So this morning, we want to talk about Jesus is our hope. Why does a person need hope? If a person needs hope, is their world perfect? No, see, I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but the reality of the need for hope is the, the acknowledgement something isn't the way we want it to be. We wish it to be, or we would, quote, hope it to be. A person needs hope. So why do we need hope at Christmas? Well, the hope of Christmas is because of this reality. Your iniquities, mine included, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That is the Bible stating the reality of each of us for our spiritual condition in regard to sin. We need hope that comes in the person of Jesus at Christmas because sin separates from God. God created us to be in relationship with him, but sin separates. And the scripture not only says sin separates us from God, it goes on to say, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread where? To where? To all men. For what reason? Because all sin. So sin separates from God and separation therefore has spread to all because all have sinned. Now you may go, well, that's not very much Christmas spirit right there. Yes, it is, actually. There, there is no hope unless there is a reality of need. So, question, who needs hope? Why? <laughs> because all have sinned and therefore all separated from God because of that sin. So the need for hope is because of sin that has spread to each one of us. Now, we sang in a song this morning, Lord, I need you, this song, this line, where sin runs deep. Anybody know the next line? Your grace is more. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Let me show you that straight out of the gate in the scriptures. In the garden, Adam and Eve were given life as God intended man to live in relationship with him. But they went their own way. They sinned, and their sin caused separation from God. While still in the garden, though now in shame because of their sin, God comes and speaks to them, Adam, Eve, and Satan. And while still in the garden, before they're banished from the garden, God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. What's he talking about there? Who's going to bruise who on the head? The seed of the woman is going to bruise him on the head. And you shall bruise him on the heel. What we would have never known when Genesis 3 was 15 was first written, but we can see now in the rearview mirror of redemptive history, is this is a reference to Christ on the cross. Bruised, heel, but through the power of the cross, death and sin and Satan conquered him bruised on the head. My point is this. Even in the garden, after sin had taken place, where sin runs deep, your grace is more. God immediately, while they're still in the garden, speaks, hope is going to come. And hope is going to come through what means, does this verse say? Through a, through the seed of a woman. So hope is going to come through a person, and that person of promised hope is going to come through a woman. Now, that might seem obvious to you. Well, well, really? That's that's what you want me to write down, Doug? A person is going to come through a woman? No, duh. Hey, could have God done it differently? Could have he said boom or poof or voila or some other language? He could have just made it happen, but he didn't. He sent hope through a woman. And this isn't the point of the text by any means, but I want to acknowledge something. Many people like to throw out accusation towards the church and towards the Bible that says that the Bible puts down and degrades women. Actually, quite the opposite. In a New Testament culture where women didn't have any rights and didn't have any dignity, the Scripture goes out of its way to declare that God will bring hope through a woman. In fact, if you've listened carefully thus far, the scripture said sin has entered through one man and spread to all men and hope is going to come through a a woman. So don't ever buy into the thought that the scripture puts down the dignity of a woman actually Redemptive history is dependent upon the role that God has given the woman to play. So, hope is in a person, and that person is going to come through a woman. But even more specifically, the prophet Isaiah foretold this. This was going to happen in the future, that the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin... Someone who's never been intimate with a man sexually will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. Now, th- this, is, this is when, you know, most of us have been in church too long. We've heard the Christmas story too long that I just read to you that a virgin was going to have a child. And you all went, eh. 
So, who's going to win today? What? A virgin is going to have a child? Does that seem like a little unusual or what? Is that a little unusual? No, it's not a little unusual. It's stupidly unusual. That is like out of the box unusual. Come on, folks. A virgin doesn't have a child. A virgin can't have a child because children come from a woman and a man. Virgins don't have children. They don't bear children, right? Or did you skip biology? And so the Bible never went, oh, virgin's going to have. No, virgins don't have children, folks. And so there ought to be some sense of either mockery in the room or, wow, that's awesome. But we're kind of numb to it, and I don't want us to be numb to it anymore. We ought to be amazed at Christmas that a virgin conceived. Now, is that what happened? Was Mary a virgin and she conceived? Yes or no? Yes. See, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I'm simply trying to lift it up for what it really is. We ought to find ourselves amazed, either amazed or dismissive. So do you believe it? You believe a virgin conceived? That's impossible. Just say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's impossible. A virgin can't conceive apart from, as some of you said, apart from God. See, this, this should stun us. I don't think I appreciated the virgin birth until I had three girls. And then I thought, I just can't imagine this conversation. In fact, it occurred to me, Mary's parents never make the biblical text. Maybe the conversation wasn't recordable. <laughs> because how do, you, how do you really say to mom and dad, mom and dad, I know I've sought to honor God. I, I am a virgin, but I'm pregnant. Come on, Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. Really? I, I promise. Does she know? She knows whether she is a virgin or not. She knows she is a virgin and she knows she is with child. What do they think? She's, well, I mean, that's not in the text, but there's only one thing she could be doing. Lying. Because virgins don't bear children. It just doesn't happen. Mary, Really? You, you promise. I promise. Then how are you pregnant? You don't even want to say it, really, if you're Mary. Because what's the answer? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, now not only are you a liar, you crazy woman. <laughs> you, you, you promise you didn't have sexual relations with a man, but the Holy Spirit has conceived a child within you. See, that is the most astounding, one of the most astounding statements in all of Scripture. That either in Christmas we believe and it encourages us, wow, God can do whatever he wants. He promised that that would be true and it happened that way. Or we go, that's just craziness. I can't believe something that absurd. So I I really, I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but I want to ask you, do you believe 
a virgin conceived. Yeah, I do. Let me tell you why. Not only because God declared that that is what would happen. Whatever God declares, that is what happens. I believe that Mary conceived and Jesus was born of a virgin because if he was not, he could not be our Savior. See, the reality of sin is this. A holy God cannot ignore sin. His, it must receive the deserving wrath because of disobedience. So the only way that sin can be paid for is the wrath is poured out on those who deserve it or someone who is a substitute who doesn't. Except there is no substitute because there is no one who doesn't deserve because sin spread to what we read. All men. All have sinned. And so the only way Jesus could take our sin is if he was conceived apart from the way the rest of humanity was conceived, that he would be conceived by the Holy Spirit so that he was not born with a sin nature. See, the, the virgin birth is not just a super cool aspect to the Christmas story. The virgin birth is essential to our belief in a substitutionary death of Christ on our behalf. If he was not born of a virgin, then he was deserving of the wrath of God. And if he was deserving of the wrath of God, he could not take it for you. No virgin birth, no substitutionary death. I believe that God promised it and the absurdly impossible happened. Part of our our, our faith is rooted in that. But it was not just that it would, the promise would come through a woman and the woman would be a virgin, which you have established. The minor prophet Micah says this, But as for you, Bethlehem Epaphrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. Next line, super important. His goings forth are from long ago. How long ago? <laughs> from the days of eternity. So in other words, the one who was going to be born in Bethlehem, who would be ruler, was not any individual. It could only be God himself who is eternal. And so hope comes in a person, a person born through a woman who is a virgin who gives birth in Bethlehem. That's the Christmas story. That hope would come in a person, the person would be born through a woman, the woman would be a virgin who would give birth in Bethlehem. The problem is God did the miraculous and a virgin conceived, but whoops, in Nazareth, 70 miles away. Siri got it wrong. No. Actually, and again, appreciate the sovereign work of God here. A woman who was a virgin 
conceived in Nazareth with no intent whatsoever to go to Bethlehem except a man who did not honor God and who was not attempting to be an instrument of God but was being used by God even though he didn't know it declared a census that caused that virgin who had conceived to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem and be in Bethlehem during the time of her birth. It's almost as if God knew he was going to do it. <laughs> you see, what, what, I, what I want you to understand this morning is this that the promises that God has made to us in Christmas, all of them were fulfilled. Everything that God said would happen, even as absurd as a virgin conceiving, it all happened just like he said. And I want us to know that for this reason. Too often we have taken Christmas and we have taken it and made it a season. We're in the Christmas season. So we pull down the boxes from the garage. We get out the directions that say it's Christmas. We put them all over our house. And then a few days after Christmas, before New Year's, we take it all and we put it back in the box and we put it back until next year. Christmas has become a season for us when in fact... It is an event that has marked human history so powerfully that it ought to mark every single day of our life. And at least this way, that you and I would recognize that Christmas is a one of the, I was going to say the, that would be too much. Christmas is one of the greatest examples that God is a promise keeper. That God keeps his promises. Everything he promised that would be true at Christmas took place. Has he made us any other promises? Yeah, the scripture is full of the promises of God. How sure are you that those promises will be fulfilled? How sure are you? Here's how sure I am. I'm as sure as Christmas. That's a phrase I hope that you will capture. That the promises of God are as sure as Christmas. In other words, do you think 20, December 25th, unless the Lord comes back, you think it's going to take place this year? Think Christmas is going to happen? Yes, it happens every year. It happens just like the original Christmas, just like God said it would. The promises of God are as sure as Christmas. So watch, the event of Christmas ought to encourage us every single day for the rest of the year that God keeps his promises. Do you like pie? Yeah, so, so my son-in-law told me this weekend, he says, oh, we like to say, that's as good as pie. You ever heard, you, you ever say that? It's as, yeah, neither do I, but he does. <laughs> he is, oh man, that's as good as pie. Christmas is as good as pie. The promises of God are as good as pie. I kind of like that. It's as good as pie or cheesecake, if that's what you prefer. <laughs> the, the point 
this. Let's not simply keep Christmas as a seasonal event. Let's think of it as the one of the greatest examples of the promises of God being kept. They are as sure as Christmas because here is what has been rooted in my heart about Christmas. That no promise of God is more absurd than a virgin will conceive in Nazareth and give birth in Bethlehem. And did it happen? Yes. So, any time in the coming year, because we're not going to pack up Christmas and put it up in the attic, any time during the coming year, when you're tempted to not believe a promise of God, all you can simply say is this. Well, a virgin did conceive in Nazareth and give birth in Bethlehem. Meaning what? (laughs) Yeah, meaning if God pulled that one off and can keep that promise, really? Is there any promise he will not keep? Like this one. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be Saved. Do you believe that? As sure as Christmas. Seriously, as as good as pie. I believe that the promise of God is that he will save all who call on him. And there, there will be, and there is, a world full of people that say, no way, too easy. But the New Testament, let let me just remind us. It is by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. Not not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. See, we, we are constantly bombarded. And I, for years and years and years, wrestled with believing that salvation was by works. Yes, I know Jesus died on the cross for me, but my works were dependent to be joined with the work of Jesus and the two of us could get me saved. Now, I would have never thought, oh, I would have never said it that way, but you know how I knew I thought that? Because when I sin, I lived with great fear that I had undone my salvation. And if I think by sinning, I can undo my salvation, what am I revealing? That I think I had, yeah, that I had done it by my own works. Hey, if you can undo it by your bad works, then that proves to you that you, can, you think you've done it by your good works. And it wasn't until I understood where sin runs deep, your grace is more. That it's not, my salvation is not something that I have done and can undo, but something that has been done and therefore cannot be undone. I cannot undo what only Christ has done. You believe that? As sure as Christmas, as good as pie. What about this promise? No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Does God promise you, as a child of God, that you will not be tempted? No. He promises you won't be tempted beyond beyond what you're able. Because there will always be provided for you a way of escape. What's that actually mean? Because by our own experience, every single one of us would testify to having been tempted seemingly beyond what we were able because what did we do? We sinned. We gave in to the temptation. It must have been more than I could bear. Actually, no. He can, without hesitation, make this promise for this reason. Because Jesus is our victory over every and any temptation. He'll be our victory over every temptation. So he can say, ever tempted beyond what you're able? Well, no. Why? Because Christ dwells within you. And have you ever been tempted beyond what Christ could say no to? Oh, no. Oh, therefore, God has always, in every circumstance, in every temptation, given me a way of escape. Hey, I didn't take it doesn't mean the promise isn't true. So last week, we used this strap to reflect from Hebrews chapter 12, enslaving sin. If you weren't here, we wrapped this around our communication director's legs pretty tightly. So he, thought, he actually told me later, I thought I was going to lose my balance. And he wouldn't be able to catch himself with a bunch of weight on his back. And this represented entangling sin. Because Hebrews 12 says, you have a sin that easily entangles you. You know what it is. You have a sin that easily entangles you, and you know what it is. And nobody really wants to publicly say what it is. You can relax. I'm not going to have you stand up and share. (laughs) But we all know what the name is on our sin that easily entangles us. What I want you to know, as sure as Christmas is, you don't need to be entangled. He is your victory. You may not take it, but you have in every temptation a way of escape because Christ dwells within you. And you in the moment, not not this morning, not at the end of this service, but sometime when you are in the middle of the temptation, that if you will say to God, God, I do not want to yield to this temptation. Give me yourself so that I might overcome it. He will always, he will always, as sure as Christmas, give you a way of escape. That's the promise that you have in Christ all that you need for life and godliness. See, our problem is we want to begin our day. Dear God, thank you for today, and please help me to avoid and overcome every temptation that happens today. Amen. As if that's going to 
put a shield of no yielding temptation around me the rest of the day. Doesn't work that way. In the moment of temptation, if you will cry out to God to be your way of escape, he will give it in that moment. Now, even in the moment, you may go, nope. I want what I want more than I want escape. But it won't be because he didn't keep his promise. It will be because you didn't take what he gave to you. I know that I know that I know you have a way of escape. I have a way of escape in every occasion. How do I know? It's as sure as Christmas. Because God is a promise keeper. Has he promised it? Has he, yes or no? You believe it? May we live in the freedom that our Savior, who is our hope, who is our Savior, and who is our victory, has provided for us. Another promise, as sure as Christmas, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Why? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What an incredible promise that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation, that he, again, it's not something that he's distributing as a commodity. He himself is our peace, regardless of the circumstance or the situation. He is our peace. Now, don't, don't miss. There is a, can I go to everybody on the planet and say, hey, if you just pray with thanksgiving, you'll have peace which passes all understanding? I can't. That is a promise reserved for those who are the children of God who have called on him and been saved. Because when they called on him, they were not only saved from the wrath of God, he poured his spirit into their hearts so that they might have victory over every temptation, including the temptation to be anxious. So it is reserved for the children of God, second qualifier, who will pray, how? With thanksgiving. Many of us forfeit the peace which passes all comprehension that we want so badly. We forfeit it not because we don't pray, but because we fail to pray with thanksgiving. We're pleading for God to change as opposed to praising him in the midst of. Do you believe God is, that God has provided this peace for you in Jesus? I do. And I'm, I'm as sure as Christmas that this is available. And, folks, the promises continue. The Scripture says that in Christ, as you look, as we look towards the future, that you will be raised from the dead. Why? Because he was raised from the dead. That you'll receive a new body. That you will rule with Christ on a new earth. And that you'll live forever with God himself. You certain of those, those are promises of God that I think are as sure as Christmas. You think, come on, really? The, this whole earth is going to burn up 
And then there's going to be a new heaven on a new earth. And we're going to live forever on a new, on a new earth with God himself. Really? Yeah, a virgin conceived. Yes, sure as Christmas. Because I haven't just packaged it in a box, put it back up in the attic. I believe every single day that the God who said this is the way Christ is going to come and hope is going to come, that's exactly the way it come and has come. And the God who says this is the way the future is going to be, sure as Christmas, good as pie. I believe that this will be true. Second, he doesn't just say what will be. He says Here's who you are. This is his promise to you who are born again. In Christ, you are forgiven. Your debt has been paid. Forgiven. Not reduced. Forgiven. Not on hold. Taken out of the way, having been nailed to the cross. You, in Christ, you're forgiven. Forgiven. Guilty? Forgiven. You are adopted. You are part of the family of God. You, you really can genuinely, literally say, Father in heaven, and it be an accurate statement. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, who gets to say Father in heaven, not Creator God, not Lord God Almighty, Father in heaven, in Christ, you're adopted, you're forgiven, you're empowered to walk in newness of life. You are granted unlimited access to the throne of grace. You are invited to ask for whatever you need, and the promises that you are that in Christ assures Christmas. It's as good as pie. To, to any of those that you would go, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's possible. What do you say? A virgin conceived in Nazareth and gave birth in Bethlehem. You catch it? You see, these five weeks, a tremendous, joyful reminder. God is a promise keeper. Don't pack it up and put it up in the attic. Take the truth and apply every single day the promises of God to be as sure as Christmas. So I want us to joyfully declare with the band as we close this morning a song that acknowledges who we are in Christ. So if you've been taking notes and you want to put that away, I remind you to pick up your anticipation devotional on the way out but let's stand together. And I want us to declare in song the truth of who we are in Christ. That we can genuinely believe that in Christ, because of what he has done for us, we are no longer the same. Let's declare it together. sing this all out together. I am not the same anymore. I am not the same. I'm a new creation. I am not the same anymore. 
So by the power of God, a virgin conceived. And you would agree with me, she was not the same 
anymore, yes? And so by the power of God, all who would call upon Jesus would never be the same anymore. Every chain undone by the power of Christ. Would we, as sure as Christmas, live the life that we have been given in Christ to the praise of his glory, to the joy of our hearts, and to the joy of this surrounding community. Not distracted by the extras of Christmas, but blessed by the person who is our hope that changes us. Father, that's my prayers. We walk out these doors that we would be your people who reflect you, our hope, you, our Savior, you, our victorious King and the one who we will be with forever. Thank you for those great promises. May we live in them. In Christ's name, amen. God bless.